Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, President of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And good afternoon and welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. And uh, the primary season is upon us, and of course, Super Tuesday on March 17th is coming very quickly, and there are a lot of contested races across the state uh, for state house races and state senate races, uh, judgeships, and uh, congressional seats as well. This is, of course, the primary, uh, and then you'll pick either a Democrat or Republican ballot, and then, of course, uh, there's not many issues. If you're an independent, you go to your local uh uh, precinct, uh, and then just say, well, I'm an independent. Uh, if there's an issue on the ballot, then you would be given a ballot just with the issue on it. It is obviously partisan in the sense for primaries of a Democrat and or Republican, but third party candidates as well, if they're on the ballot, uh, they'll, they'll receive a special ballot as well. But with that said, again, uh, Tuesday, March 17th is the primary and, uh, visit the Ohio Christian Alliance website. We will have some limited voter guides available, also some links to other sites that might be helpful to you to research some of the candidates as to where they stand on important issues as the life position, as they stand on religious liberty, uh, taxes on family, uh, or national security. You can find those issues in some of the research material that's available. The Ohio Christian Alliance in Full disclosure, we do not endorse any political party or candidate, but we do provide educational voter guides and encourage voter registration in churches statewide. We will have a full voter guide for the upcoming 2020 November election, and that will be available in uh, late September, early October, in advance of the November election. With that said, I'd like to go to our special guest today. He is a judge in Jaga County on the probate juvenile uh, court judge. And we've had him on the program in the past to talk about the crisis, really, of the opiate addiction crisis problem in Ohio. President Trump made an announcement last month in his State of the Union address in saying some good news, that in, uh, we're starting to get ahead of this problem as we have focused on it, uh, because there's been so many uh, deaths by, overdose deaths by the opiate addiction problem. And Ohio, of course, has been... Uh, near the top of the list when it comes to those kinds of numbers, unfortunately. But we're starting to get ahead of this problem, and we're going to get an update as to what's happening in Jaga County and some of the surrounding counties of Lake uh, Cuyahoga and Nashville County by Judge Grendel. And another side effect, of course, with the opiate addiction problem is the foster care system is under great duress in many counties across the state. Uh, rural counties are facing for the first time Many kids that are needing foster care because their parents are either in a treatment program or maybe even imprisoned due to uh, a drug problem and a drug uh, habit. But with that, let's go to Judge Grendel. Again, he is the judge of the uh, probate and juvenile court judge in Jaga County, and he is a candidate as well this year as he's up for re-election. Judge, thanks for joining us on the program. Chris, my pleasure. Always good to talk with you. Well, thank you. Last night we had the pleasure of uh, presenting your wife with a framed copy of the Ten Commandments for hanging in her office. She is currently serving as state representative. Uh, she is appointed to the seat, and we were happy to present her with a framed copy 
of the Ten Commandments for hanging in her office, as we have done over the years to many legislators. And, of course, they proudly hang on. She was very appreciative of that. We had a chance to present her at the Portage County Tea Party last night. And I thank you for that, and I thank you for the Ten Commandments you presented to me when I served in the Ohio Senate, which uh, hangs proudly on the wall in my chambers in the Jogger County Probate and Juvenile Court. So. Well, I was going to ask you that, because that's great, uh, because, you know, uh, many of the uh, legislators that we present, they take them to where their next uh, uh, term of office is, or if they go back into the private sector, they'll take them there as well. And, and of course, it's our pleasure to present uh, but uh, thank you so much. Well, Judge, let's get right to it about the opiate addiction uh, problem in Ohio. You're on the front lines of this problem, really, on a daily basis. Uh, people that are even facing incarceration or maybe needing a treatment program, they themselves are really caught up into the throes of drug addiction, and they need some help for their lives. Tell us a little bit about what that's like from your position on the bench. Uh, Chris, the... You hit the nail on the head earlier. Uh, the drug, the opiate epidemic, hit us full force uh, around 2004-2005. And prior to that time, to give you some idea of the impact on our court, uh, we had about 26 children involved in what's called abuse, neglect, and dependency cases where the court was taking responsibility for uh, the care of the child, either through jobs and family services, children's services, or, or other means. Last year, uh, my court, I had over 150 children under my jurisdiction. And, you know, it was primarily because of the ongoing impact of not only the opiate situation, which has abated some. I think we have gotten ahead of the issue of uh, heroin and fentanyl, a lot of people got the message it can kill you. I think uh, the uh, Narcan situation helped preserve people who were dying, and then we were getting their children under very un unfortunate circumstances. But what has replaced it in the last 18 months is a, a uh, rapid rise in methamphetamine and cocaine use. And so from the perspective of a juvenile court, you're still having to take young children away from families that have dual-addicted parents who are now using methamphetamine and cocaine, or single-family parents where the parent is addicted to methamphetamine and cocaine. And then the corollary to that is we're getting a rise in domestic violence cases because individuals using methamphetamine uh, appear to have a tendency to have anger management problems on top of it. And so the combination of uh, methamphetamine, cocaine, domestic violence, uh, unfortunately is still keeping the juvenile courts in Ohio very busy. We are talking to Judge Grindell. He is the juvenile uh, probate and juvenile court judge in Jauga County. And uh, the judge has served uh, for several years, and he is up for re-election. Uh, judge, as we look at this, um, let me ask you this. Uh, obviously, you feel your work is very important, what you do in meeting with the public every day. And, and folks, when they come in to see you, we've talked about the options in the past where, uh, you know, enforcing these some of these folks to get into a treatment program rather than incarceration. Let's talk about that a little bit. Well, Chris, in fact, I am opening on Monday the uh, 
Victor Matthews Family Life Improvement Resource Center, which is in a building not in the court system, but a separate building where we are trying to get folks who have mental health and drug issues to come in uh, before they even get formally pulled into the judicial process so we can help get them evaluated and treatment both for drug use and for mental health issues, which frankly create about 80% of our business between those two. And the goal is to try to remove some of the judicial stigma and intervene at the earliest stage possible to get folks evaluated and into treatment. That doesn't mean there won't be some accountability or that we're still going to have to take steps to protect children, but it means we can try to do this in a way that will encourage people to come in uh, and get uh, helped earlier. And there are studies that show that the sooner you can get folks into treatment, the better the opportunity for the treatment to have a positive effect. And the sooner you can get folks into treatment, it, it reduces the long-term period necessary, so it actually reduces the cost to the taxpayers. So I think the movement's in the right direction. Try to identify people with drug addiction and mental health issues, try to get them evaluated to pinpoint the, the source of their problems, and then get them into treatment quickly to try to help rehabilitate them uh, for the benefit of themselves, their children, and, and quite frankly, for the community. Lots of folks have realized the problem with this, and it's been an all-hands-on-deck effort here in the last few years. I know that uh, our governor, when he served as attorney general, was really focusing in on this uh, and working with the judicial system, working with the faith community. Uh, as he stated, um, faith programs were having a high rate of success of people actually leaving the drug addiction uh, uh, lifestyle and actually getting back uh, their families getting back on their feet and becoming productive citizens again. And we are hearing some really good stories, uh, Judge, on that, where we're seeing, uh, you know, on personal levels of people that we've known who have had family members and hearing about those who have gone through drug treatment programs and have uh, actually doing much better. They're finishing up their degrees, they're, they're working jobs, and things are much better. And, of course, this is, uh, you know, prayerful for all of our community and we're encouraged by that. I think also what is happening in the, is the Trump economy, where there's a lot more jobs for young people and giving them some hope. And in fact, uh, one announcement came last Saturday, the candidate form that uh, uh, from uh, Medina City, there was within 20 mile uh, radius, there was 30,000 jobs available. Many, half, half or more of them were over $50,000 a year plus benefits. Uh, those were some good jobs, and of course, we need people to be trained for those jobs. And so, I think you know we're going to be talking about workforce development and training for high schoolers and those uh, just beyond high school, so that these folks can actually have a hope and a future uh, to actually get into uh, a trade and a profession that will help them for the rest of their lives. Your thoughts? Well, I think that certainly being able to find folks uh, meaningful employment, long-term uh, economic security is helpful. I think the religious situation and, and the role of faith uh, is very important. Most people who have uh, fallen prey to drug addiction, and, and I like to say good people make one bad decision, but then that decision starts making all their decisions in their lives. But when they get through recovery, rehabilitation, treatment, the key is what kind of support do they get on the other side? 
And I find that folks who have a, 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 are anchored in a religious belief have faith, have faith-based support, have a better likelihood of success in fighting addiction long-term because they have that strength of their support base, both in their own personal belief in, in God and in their community, their, you know, their faith of their community supporting them. And oddly enough, about three weeks ago, I was at an Amish meeting with Diane with about 600 Amish folks because the Amish folks are having in Jaga County some drug addiction problems, and, and they're addressing them very directly. But I always like to say they have one thing going for them that unfortunately a lot of us who aren't Amish don't have, and that is they have a, a strong religious family community. And so when you go through the addiction treatment process and come out and need support, having that strong religious family-based community provides them uh, a level of support that I think uh, is enviable to the rest of us. And and I think folks who have drug addiction need support when they finish treatment. And, and if they have any religious beliefs, I always believe in prayer. I mean, when things get bad, you can always pray instead of taking a drug. And, and I think that's one of the things that we need to keep reinforcing is for people who've had a drug-addicted member of their family don't judge them after they've completed their, their rehabilitation and treatment. Be there for them, support them, pray for them, and, and encourage them. That is the key, I think, to long-term success. That's what President Trump has said and uh, some of the executive orders that he's written from the White House and actually working with a faith-based community initiatives office from the White House. I was actually at the Rose Garden National Day of Prayer ceremony a few years ago when he announced the program and it's an office that's actually with faith engagement, uh, making sure that different federal agencies make sure that uh, faith community, the faith community, is involved in the grant process uh, because they should not be excluded uh, because they are a faith community or a faith entity. So uh, there's been a lot of headway that way with uh, President Trump and the Trump administration. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to be right back on the other side. We're going to talk about another aspect of this, and that is the foster care uh, uh, urgency that there is in many counties right now because of those who are going through drug treatment or may have been incarcerated due to a drug problem. We're talking with Judge Tim Grindell. He is the probate and juvenile court judge in Jaga County. He is a candidate again, and we'll be talking with him on the other side about the foster care uh, crisis that we have in Ohio. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe, on D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. 
Save the dates, March 6th and 7th, for the 11th annual Bringing America Back to Life convention at the Embassy Suites in Independence, Ohio. Join us as we host one of the most significant educational platforms in the nation, designed to equip and engage all those involved in the greatest civil rights issue of all times, the right to life. On Friday, join Dr. Jennifer Roback Morse, discuss solutions to the fallout from the Hookup Society, and Professor Mark Ragnaris from the University of Texas, who will connect the dots between reproductive technology and receding commitment. Dr. Bill Lyle, OBGYN, joins us on Saturday to talk about the miracle of life in the womb, and Alex Schattenberg from Canada recounts his country's free fall into the practice of euthanasia. Don't miss these powerful messages and much more. Join us March 6th and 7th at this unique convention in Independence, Ohio, the only event of its kind in the nation. Go to bringingamericabacktolife.org for details or call Laura, 440-529-4836, 440-529-4836. We're back with uh, Judge Grindell. He is the probate juvenile court judge in Joga County. And uh, we're talking about the opiate addiction uh, uh, problem here in Ohio. We actually are starting to make some headway uh where it is a crisis but it is being uh dealt with and we're actually seeing some improvement in some areas but there's a lot of work yet to go judge as we look at uh, one of the other aspects of this is you know we're seeing a lot of families that are being uh challenged with uh you know the the, the parents are involved in uh, drug addiction and they're either in a, a uh, incarcerated or they're in a treatment program and so that means the kids are in a foster care situation uh, if there's not a nearby um, relative to take the kids, uh, they're waiting for foster care. Uh, lots of counties are dealing with this crisis. I know in Medina County they have 100 kids right now, and that's uh, beyond their capacity to be able to accommodate those uh, kids that are currently in foster care. And there's been an appeal that's gone out to the churches. In fact, uh, our church made an announcement uh, because they're looking at this as a ministry opportunity. I know in Ashland County they have 200 kids currently. So those are those don't sound like big numbers for urban centers, but for rural counties, that's really a lot of kids in a, in a foster care system at any given time. Your thoughts? Oh, Chris, yeah, I, I mean, in Jogger County, we have been short on foster care, foster parents uh, for the past uh, six years. I mean, since the the heroin crisis first really exploded on the scene, and so we've had to rely on sending youth to foster homes as far south as uh, southeast Ohio, uh, northwest Ohio, the Toledo area, uh, and and we'd prefer to be able to keep these young folks closer to home because it helps for long-term reunification, less traumatic on them, but there's just an acute shortage of foster homes. We've used some residential homes, but again, you want to place these children, first of all, in family if you can, if you don't have family in a family-like uh, setting, and, and if you don't have enough of that, then you just got to find a safe place for them. Uh, we really try to find relatives who can do it, but I, I will share a quick story with you. I had a case where an aunt and uncle came in on a Friday and said they had a five-year-old nephew, and the parent, the parents had gone off on to a drug house in Cleveland. Could they have temporary custody? And so I gave it to him on Friday, set a hearing for Monday. My constable actually tracked the parents down so we could serve them and have them at the hearing. At the Monday hearing, the father of the child's head was on the table. The mother of the child stands up and says, Judge, you're right. We can't take care of this. our child. My husband used heroin and cocaine this morning. I used heroin. We're in no shape to take care of our child. 
And so I was patting myself on the back of how I had taken care of protecting this child. When the the mother then says, but if you think, Judge, we're high, you ought to test them. And she pointed over to the uncle and the aunt. And when we did, they were both had higher numbers than the mother and the father. So this whole situation with the drugs has been very complicated. It's taxing the courts. It's taxing our foster care. It's it's challenging our children's services agencies. It's it's changed. We're no longer dealing so much with heroin, but we're now dealing with the methamphetamine cocaine problem, which at the end of the day uh, is just as difficult. So if I got this right, are you telling me this was the aunt and uncle that you gave uh, temporary custody to because the parents were involved with the uh, drug uh, program, but then they tested positive as well? Yep, I was shocked. I mean, I gave them to the aunt and uncle on Friday because the aunt and uncle had come in to tell me the child had been left alone and the parents had gone off to a drug house in Cleveland. So under the law, when I give temporary custody, I have to have a hearing within 24 hours or on a Friday. It has to be on Monday. We schedule it for Monday. My constable actually tracked the parents down at the drug house that the aunt and uncle gave us an address for. They actually showed up for the hearing. They told us they were on drugs and they couldn't care for their child. And then they hit me with the the haymaker that the, you better test the aunt and uncle. And when I tested them, they were also on, on heroin. It was oh, my. To me. But now I test everybody. I mean, if you came to my court, Chris, be prepared for a drug test. I test them all now. Uh, and you just can't be too careful because you, you don't know. But you can't leave young children in the care of parents who are uh, in, uh, in, you know, not being able to raise them when they're using, you name the drug, uh, heroin, fentanyl, cocaine, methamphetamine. Uh, you just can't leave young children in that environment. Mm. Uh, we are talking with Judge Grindell. He is the Joga County Probate and Juvenile Court Judge. We're talking about the opiate addiction uh, problem in Ohio. We're also talking about some of the other problems that stem from it, and that's the foster care system has been inundated with children needing foster care service. Uh, Judge, have you seen some uh, some goodwill stories where there's parents have gone through a treatment program, gotten their lives together, gotten the kids and the family back together? Tell us something that gives us some hope here. Well, and that's the encouraging part, Chris. I mean, last year I had a 74% reunification rate of reunifying children with their natural parents. And, and I mean, that took a lot of work by my court management staff. It took work from our CASA guardian and items, our children's services folks, and some good counselors, uh, both mental health and drug counselors. But I mean, the in Draga County last year, we were able to put three-quarters of these families back together. We were able to keep their parents uh, sober enough so we could reunify the family. And, I, I mean, I think we're doing better than we were doing in those early years, uh, partly in part because uh, the heroin problem was so severe in the first year. I lost nine parents who died between the first hearing and the second from overdoses. Uh, and they all left young children behind, which creates quite a bit of challenge for the court and, and the entire system. But we're making progress, and, and uh, we're reaching out more. The, whole, the idea of having better support when you finish drug treatment is important. Having these faith-based organizations stepping up to the plate and, and providing that mental health psychological support for a drug addict when they're in that moment of weakness that there's somebody they can turn to, that they can turn to God, they can turn to somebody who, who's going to be there from a faith-based organization. It's, it's, work, it's all working. It's, it's just 
do we get 100%? No. We're, we're happy to be at 74%. We're trying to make that number even higher this year, but we're making progress. So I don't want to say gloom and doom, uh, but I think people need to be willing to vest their time and energy to help us. It's a complete community commitment here. You, it, it, this drug issue requires all of us to step up to the plate and help those poor people who are addicted. Well, that's right. And I know that our current Attorney General, Dave Yost, is also carrying on the work uh, that uh, Mike DeWine did when he was at uh, the AG. And of course, now as he's governor, he's also continuing the push uh, to get out in front of this problem in Ohio. We are seeing a turn, uh, and that is a positive thing. Judge, give us your website so folks can follow you and uh, see about your campaign, of course. Yeah, well, they can contact me at timgrindelyahoo.com, and they can contact me at Facebook at uh, Judge Tim Grindel. Judge, thanks so much for being my guest today. I appreciate it, Chris. Keep God up bless the you. Lots thanks. of great information. Thank you. Well, if you missed any of today's program, you can always hear it in its entirety at our website at ohioca.org. You can listen to the podcast. Also, share it with your family and friends, and each week we come to you at the same time. You can also listen to News and Focus broadcast again at 1 p.m., 6.30, and also at Saturday afternoons at 5. We're so glad that you've joined us, and again, all the information is available at our website at ohioca.org. Thanks for listening. God bless. You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe. On D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. Save the dates, March 6th and 7th, for the 11th annual Bringing America Back to Life convention at the Embassy Suites in Independence, Ohio. Join us as we host one of the most significant educational platforms in the nation, designed to equip and engage all those involved in the greatest civil rights issue of all times, the right to life. On Friday, join Dr. Jennifer Roback morse discuss solutions to the fallout from the Hookup Society, and Professor Mark Ragnaris from the University of Texas, who will connect the dots between reproductive technology and receding commitment. Dr. Bill Lyle, OBGYN, joins us on Saturday to talk about the miracle of life in the womb, and Alex Schattenberg from Canada recounts his country's free fall into the practice of euthanasia. Don't miss these powerful messages and much more. Join us March 6th and 7th at this unique convention in Independence, Ohio, the only event of its kind in the nation. Go to bringingamericabacktolife.org for details or call Laura, 440-529-4836, 440-529-4836.
Jeanette Cruz, and I'm a busy mom. Then a friend told me about TrustBlueReview.com, a new website powered by the Christian Blue Network. She uses it to find trusted Christian-owned businesses. I checked it out, read the helpful reviews, and found a great family dentist. Now I use TrustBlueReview for all my family's needs. For peace of mind, do what I did. Visit TrustBlueReview.com or download their free mobile app from your app store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue Will my kids like this dentist? Can I trust this mechanic? Who's a good choice for my upcoming remodel? I found businesses I can trust from TrustBlueReview.com. This company rebuilt our deck and renovated our bathroom. I'd highly recommend them to anyone looking to hire an honest contractor. The best dentist experience I've ever had. It's now easy to find trusted businesses in my community that have the same Christian values as my family. It all starts at TrustBlueReview.com or download their app in the App Store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And good afternoon and welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. Well, we want to turn a corner right now and talk to you about uh, the ongoing situation at Uh, here in the state of Ohio pertaining to the lawsuit that the Ohio Christian Alliance filed at the state Supreme Court. I want to read to you a release that we put out just this week. I stated in a release, this is the most important voting rights case we have seen in years. The right of the people's voice to be heard at the ballot box is one of the most important rights we have in this representative republic. Voters' rights are being denied in Medina County on this referendum petition case, posing a serious challenge to the people's right to access the ballot by way of referendum or charter amendment if citizens' voters are provided conclusive evidence of the validity of their signatures along with proof of their identity or, and denied even a hearing for the review of an appeal, then we have a serious problem with Ohio's elections. If local politicals simply don't like the issue and can, by trickery and graft, find ways to invalidate petitions, then we no longer can say that the referendum petition is viable in the state of Ohio. Much hangs in the balance in this case. We have gone to the state Supreme Court to seek justice and fair access to the ballot. Many people are anticipating the outcome of this case. And, of course, we're referring to the voting rights case that we filed at the state Supreme Court back on February 3rd. We're still waiting to hear from the county officials to respond to the court's uh, you know, requirement for them to respond to the case, uh, and that is pending. Go on reading. There are numerous elements to this case for which we need to be prepared as an organization. That means the Ohio Christian Alliance. There is much at stake with this case concerning the voting rights of the people of faith in the state of Ohio. We have been battling this issue for the last seven months in the city of Medina and with county officials and now have to take it to matter to the state Supreme Court to seek resolution. And of course, as many of you know, that is the referendum effort in the city of Medina that was circulated by the citizens last July in response to what city council members had passed, what was called an LGBTQ special rights ordinance. And this is a policing ordinance with fines 
if those who violate uh, the tenants within the policy. And the, the folks in the community spoke out at public hearings and asked the council to wait, that there were concerns about this comprehensive ordinance that they were passing. The council would hear no, nothing of it. So the folks decided to circulate a referendum petition. They then turned it over to the Board of Elections. The Board of Elections said that they were short by 44 signatures, but 59 of the signatures were invalidated by registered voters in the city of Medina who the board said their signatures didn't match. Therefore, under advisement of our attorneys, we secured 47 sworn affidavits from voters in the city of Medina whose signatures had been invalidated for that reason, meaning non-matching signature. The board then would not even hold a hearing on review of the evidence provided. So that was really unprecedented because other boards of elections across the state on other matters would have at least granted a hearing to the committee. The Medina County Board of Elections did not, after advisement by their attorneys, which is the county prosecutor uh, in his office, advised them to take no action. Well, they're going to have to respond now to the state Supreme Court because the people have filed a lawsuit uh, to seek resolution. So we'll keep you updated on that. That information also is available at our website at ohioca.org. That's the Ohio Christian Alliance. Well, when we talk about this issue of LGBTQ rights or SOGI legislation, which means sexual orientation, gender identity, there's a bill currently at the Ohio State House, two actually, one in the House, one in the Senate, uh, that's pushing these kind of laws so that uh, it would be statewide. There wouldn't be any religious exemptions. Your church would be subject to men who think that they're women going into the women's restroom. We're fighting for the privacy rights of women and children, and also, uh, you know, for religious liberty issues as well in this whole battle. So we kind of need your help on this, and you could follow us at our website at ohioca.org. Now I want to take you to another story. Franklin Graham, of course, the son of Billy Graham, is conducting, like his father did, a number of evangelistic crusades in Great Britain uh, this month. And in fact, there were seven venues where he was going to be speaking. But radicals in that community, in that country, if from the LGBTQ community, the radical homosexual community, began to protest and actually levy uh, those arenas to not allow those meetings to take place. Why? Because they said that Franklin Graham preaches a message of hate. And what's the message he's, he's preaching? He's preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's preaching from the Bible. We do believe in the Bible that homosexuality is a sin. Like other sins of adultery or fornication or drunkenness, sins need to be repented of, and people need to come to faith in Christ. There's no hate message in there. It's actually a love message of God's forgiveness. That's what Franklin Graham said, and he actually appealed uh, to uh, those arenas so that they would hold the meetings well, Parliament weighed in, and let's go to an audio clip right now from the Parliament in Great Britain talking about religious liberty issues. Yes, Speaker. Uh, the Prime Minister, in his Christmas message, said, We stand with Christians everywhere in solidarity and will defend your right to practice your faith. Plainly, that was meant to include the UK. So can we have a statement as to whether we can really call ourselves 
a tolerant, inclusive and diverse society which respects freedom of speech, whatever one's religion or beliefs, if we deny the Billy Graham Association a platform in this country? Uh, Mr Speaker, no platforming is a particularly disagreeable uh, modern trend. Um, and although venues are allowed to take their own decisions about whether or not to host Franklin Graham during his upcoming visit, like all service providers, they must be careful not to discriminate unlawfully on grounds of religion and belief. The UK has robust protections for freedom of speech and freedom of religion, and the price of living in a free plural society is tolerating views and beliefs we disagree with or are even offended by. And this is fundamentally important. It is a sad truth that many people who tout themselves as being liberal are only liberal about what they like and are very intolerant of the views they disagree with. That are some of the voices on the floor of Parliament uh, addressing the issue that they couldn't believe that Franklin Graham and his message of love through Jesus Christ and preaching the gospel was actually being opposed by uh, sex within Great Britain and trying to have him boycotted from uh, delivering that message at these arenas and venues around Great Britain as the evangelistic, Billy Graham evangelistic uh, uh, team was working with a great evangelistic campaign in Great Britain. So we ask you to pray. Pray for these evangelistic meetings that Franklin Graham is holding in, in the United Kingdom. Uh, the current generation must wake up to the fact that the land of the Magna Carta provides for religious freedom as a fundamental right of man. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back on the other side with some more news, this time from Finland and a legislator there which is facing criminal charges, possible criminal charges, simply by quoting the Bible from Romans chapter 1. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe. On D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. Save the dates, March 6th and 7th, for the 11th annual Bringing America Back to Life convention at the Embassy Suites in Independence, Ohio. Join us as we host one of the most significant educational platforms in the nation, designed to equip and engage all those involved in the greatest civil rights issue of all times, the right to life. On Friday, join Dr. Jennifer Roback morse discuss solutions to the fallout from the Hookup Society, and Professor Mark Ragnaris from the University of Texas, who will connect the dots between reproductive technology and receding commitment. Dr. Bill Lyle, OBGYN, joins us on Saturday to talk about the miracle of life in the womb, and Alex Schattenberg from Canada recounts his country's free fall into the practice of euthanasia. Don't miss these powerful messages and much more. Join us March 6th and 7th at this unique convention in Independence, Ohio, the only event of its kind in the nation. Go to bringingamericabacktolife.org for details or call Laura, 440-529-4836, 440-529-4836. 
Jonette Cruz, and I'm a busy mom. Then a friend told me about TrustBlueReview.com, a new website powered by the Christian Blue Network. She uses it to find trusted Christian-owned businesses. I checked it out, read the helpful reviews, and found a great family dentist. Now I use TrustBlueReview for all my family's needs. For peace of mind, do what I did. Visit TrustBlueReview.com or download their free mobile app from your app store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue Review. Will my kids like this dentist? Can I trust this mechanic? Who's a good choice for my upcoming remodel? I found businesses I can trust from TrustBlueReview.com. This company rebuilt our deck and renovated our bathroom. I'd highly recommend them to anyone looking to hire an honest contractor. The best dentist experience I've ever had. It's now easy to find trusted businesses in my community that have the same Christian values as my family. It all starts at TrustBlueReview.com or download their app in the App Store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue well, we want to bring you this other story that's coming out of Finland, and the title of it is, Is Finland About to Make Christianity Illegal? Christian Lawmaker Facing Fines in Prison. This is from Helsinki, and we're going to go to a CBN report right now about this situation in Finland. Almost 70% of Finns are members of the National Lutheran Church, but it doesn't mean they're believers. Less than a third of Finns now say they believe in God. This historically Christian nation has not only left the faith, but has begun criminal investigations of Christians. This is a nation with a constitution that still tells the state church to proclaim a Bible-based Christian faith. So why is Finland investigating this member of parliament for proclaiming her Bible-based Christian faith? Paivi Rosinen is under two investigations for allegedly defaming or insulting homosexuals. The first after she shared a Bible verse on social media, aimed at Finland's Lutheran church for promoting the homosexual lifestyle. In my tweet, I directly cited Romans first chapter and verses 24 to 27 and posted a picture. A passage which condemns homosexuality. Finland's attorney general has now opened a second investigation concerning a 24-page pamphlet that Paivi wrote 15 years ago about biblical Christian marriage called Man and Woman, He Created Them. Biblical teaching that the Finnish constitution says it supports. So you thought that because of that, this this investigation wouldn't go anywhere, as we said. Yes, from. yes, yes. I yeah, I I I assumed. In fact, I it was a surprise for me that there is even a police investigation about that case. I wouldn't have believed it. Leif Namala is editor of a Christian newspaper and a TV host in Finland. It was unbelievable. It was a real surprise, and uh, the first thought was. Are we really, are they really going this far? The Lutheran pastor who published the pamphlet Paivi wrote on Christian marriage is also under investigation. Finnish Christian broadcaster, author and theologian Pazi Turunen says this has been a rude awakening for many Christians. Finnish Christians have lived in a very homogeneous Christian culture. It's been very easy because everybody thinks and believes the same way pretty much. And now this has become completely a new situation for us when our faith is challenged in a public square. Paivi says this all began in prayer when she felt led by the Lord to do something to wake up the National Church in Finland on the issue of homosexuality, but now fears this investigation will silence Christians. 
I'm afraid and I'm worried that this case, the criminal investigation, might frighten some Christians uh, to hide and to keep silent. It raises the, the threshold of saying anything in, in the public square. And in one way I see that that's the purpose of this kind of attack, to put a high price tag on speaking your Christian mind out loud in, in the society. If convicted, Paivi could be fined or even imprisoned. And both Turinen and Namala say support for her from Finland's evangelical leaders has been weak. We could easily have 200,000 Christians saying this is horrendous, stop persecuting Päivi Räsänen. And that would have a huge impact, but they are silent. I, I would wish that, that the evangelical leaders would be more outspoken and, and bold. Uh, otherwise, uh, it, there will come time when each one of us will be in front of the firing squad. Paivi says she's not afraid and believes God has a plan in this for Finland. I'm waiting what God is doing. <laughs> because when he raises up prayers, then we can know that he's doing something. Dale Hurd, CBN News, Helsinki. We need to pray for this courageous lady who is a legislator in the uh, nation of Finland. Paiavi is obviously a strong Christian woman who is sharing her Christian beliefs in what was a Christian nation. But now she is possibly facing criminal charges. And what is her crime? Believing in the Bible as it's written as God's Word. Reading from Romans chapter 1 and verse 22 through 25. Now, folks, I need you to understand something. This portion of the Bible could become illegal in this country. You say, oh, Chris, how could that happen? Well, it's happening to the north of us in Canada. It's happening in Western European nations. And uh, it's happening in some cities where there are people passing laws that are going to restrict religious uh, speech and religious practice. If they consider it to be hate speech, you don't want to be a hater, do you? Well, the thing about it is, folks, if you believe in the Bible and you believe that sin is sin and that, uh, you know, it needs to be repented of, there are people that do not believe in that, and they consider that to be hate speech. Reading from Romans chapter 1, verse 22, Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanliness, through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshipped and served the Creator more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change their natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemingly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, 
fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who, knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. This is Romans chapter 1. This is the New Testament. And this portion of Scripture, along with others, could be deemed by some to be illegal contraband in the future. Now, we look to Canada. They have passed laws favoring the LGBTQ lifestyle, the homosexual lifestyle. And in so doing, they have also restricted what they consider to be hate speech. And there are cases in Canada going through the courts about religious expression, religious speech, and even religious institutions of learning. So here from a few years ago, Trinity Western University, which is a Christian university, was having difficulties being able to practice as an educational center, and this case was also uh, documented in the Canadian courts. There were pastors who were brought up on charges on what was called hate speech, simply preaching from the Word of God, the Bible. Well, you say, that can't come here. It already is coming here. Here back in Ohio, we have House Bill 369, the LGBTQ Special Rights Bill. Go to the Ohio Christian Alliance website, ohioca.org. Skip on down and look at the urgent action alert. Call members of the House Civil Justice Committee that's chaired by Representative Steve Hambly of Medina. That's District 69. He already has had two hearings. And it is rumored that he's going to have a third hearing, another proponent testimony, uh, on this bill. Now, that means that this bill has never gone that far, to our knowledge, of the Ohio House, but yet under Republican control under Steve Hambly, it has. And so you need to call uh, Chairman Hambly, you need to call members of that committee, and again, those links are at our website for that committee, and to tell them to vote no and to oppose House Bill 369, the so-called Fairness Act is what they call it, but it's actually an LGBTQ special rights bill, a SOGI bill, sexual orientation, gender identity, and it would be statewide if it was to pass. It has a Senate companion, Senate Bill 11. So when you're calling, don't just call your state representative, also call your state senator and urge them not to support the special protections we all have constitutional protections under the law for all people and we believe that we believe that all people are protected under our constitution there's no need for any special provisions here that would actually encroach upon the rights of you and me as religious believers you have been listening to news in focus with your host chris long president of the ohio christian alliance To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.